0: me, interruptions are kind of like this. So like um, my phone, I'm in a love hate relationship with my phone because my phone constantly is interrupting me constantly. Now, some days I'll forget my phone or I'll lose my phone. And I have that moment where I like freak out. I'm like, I'm like, I feel like my arm is missing. You know what I mean? Like literally a part of my body is missing. But then there's the other end of it that is just like that annoying boss. The phone just keeps going off email, text, Trump did this, you know what I mean? Like it's just like notification after notification constantly, you know? Like I literally woke up the other night at 3 o'clock in the morning to use the bathroom and I, I promise you I had six new texts from like 1 o'clock till 3 o'clock in the morning and I was like, thank you Jesus, amen, you know what I mean? And so sometimes an interruption can feel like an annoying boss. But then sometimes an the interruption happens in your life and you just kind of like geek out. Like I remember this. Me and Jess years ago, years ago, went to Colorado to see one of her sisters. And um, it's like a ministry program thing. And we're at service and God's moving. The Holy Spirit's moving. And I'll never forget the Lord spoke to my heart and he spoke to Jess's heart. And he said, hey, by the way, you're going you're to have a son. Um, I'm coming soon, and he's going to be a worship leader at your church someday, and at the time, when we were youth pastors, we were just happy to know Jesus, and, you know, happy that I could spell Jesus, you know what I mean, and and I was helping kids find him, and and me and Jess told each other after service, and um, and we were like, yeah, that, that would be really cool someday, you know what I mean, like, that conversation. Michael, come here real quick. Here. Fast, fast, fast. You're fast. I know you're fast. Come on. Give it up for this gorgeous, amazing young man. Okay. So, <laughs> don't you love this so much? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to say anything? No. No, you sure? The Lord hasn't put anything in your heart? No. <laughs> so, so, God tells us. Um, hey, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be a worship leader, and we're like, yeah, that's cool, someday, you know, like, we had only been married, I think, like, six months, you know what I mean, we had that total, like, five-year plan, like, you know what I mean, like, our perfect scenario, you know what I mean, and then I remember it was like, what was it, Jess, like, two months later, a month and a half later, something like that, I remember she walked into my office, and she had, like, a stick, and she's like, (laughs) I'm pregnant, and I literally went into a deep, dark depression for like, literally for like two weeks. I remember, I just, you know, i like, oh, I know, you're cute, you know? But I remember just like that face of like, you know what I mean? Like people would walk up to me and they'd be like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay in so many ways, so you know what I mean? And then I remember that that Christmas. This is like literally months later. We go home for Christmas, and I quit my job because the Lord told me to on Christmas Eve. And I remember I told Jess's mom and dad. It was Jess was seven months pregnant, and uh, they were like, "What are you gonna do?" And I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> you know what I mean? But God had a great plan, I and mean, look at this amazing young man and seriously it was an interruption that felt like a freak out moment anybody else have those moments in life where like something happens and you just freak but God has a good plan and story come on give it up for this awesome awesome boy breaking hearts everywhere he goes some girl liked him at his school he told her sorry my dad said I can't date till I'm 18 so <laughs> heartbreaker. Interruptions happen, and the Bible is full of interruptions. If you read the Bible, you're going to find out that the Bible is full of moments where God interrupts man's plan. There's moments where God goes, hey, I know that you're on this journey, and you have this plan, and you're going in this direction, but um, I want to call a timeout, and i got a new plan for you. And the Bible's full of these moments. We looked at a moment last week where we saw, you know, Lazarus passes away, but then Jesus comes back and He heals Lazarus. And then you have moments like Mary, where, you know, Mary's just a young woman and she's excited that she's just getting married and she's engaged. And then the angel of the Lord comes to her and He tells her that she's going to have a baby and it's going to be Jesus. And can you just imagine that for a moment? Like, you're just happy to be married and then you're like, I'm going to be pregnant with the King of kings and the Lord of lords? This is what God does. He interrupts our lives. And now I got to tell you this. The Lord told me when I was putting this message together, he said that you are so faithful and that he knows the exact man that he has in store for you and for your future. And he's lining it all up and there's nothing to worry about, okay? But God has these interruptions. God has these moments where he interrupts our lives, just like Abraham is experiencing right now. Abraham has this moment where he has this beautiful son, this son that they couldn't have. His wife is barren and God gives him a son. And then all of a sudden God goes, hey, by the way, I want you to take that son, your only son, the one that you love so much, and I want you to go to this mountain and I want you to sacrifice him for me. And Abraham's response is, here I am. Here I am, Lord. I hear your voice. And I'll go where you want me to go. You've got to understand this, that God sees your life in an eternal perspective. Your life is connected to eternity. There are people that are supposed to be in eternity with Jesus because of your life. But I think that we're a culture that goes, God, I'm too busy to hear your voice right now. I'm too busy to respond to your voice right now. I'm too busy with my life and my plans and my direction to stop and, and think about what eternity has to offer because I can barely handle today. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. You have moments where you're like, man, I can... Gosh, can gosh, I just get through today, Lord? You know? But our life is connected to eternity. And it makes a huge impact. Go with me back to Genesis chapter 22, okay? Genesis chapter 22 and verse 7 says this, that Isaac, his son, turns to Abraham and he says, Father, yes, my son, we have fire and we have wood, but we have no sheep for the burnt offering. Smart kid, yeah? He's like, hey, we're going to sacrifice something. Um, we got fire, we got wood, and... Um, we got the knife. We got everything in store, ready. But uh, hey, Dad, uh, you know what I mean? Like my kids do this to me all the time. Like, hey, Dad, where, where's the food? Where's the beef? You know what I mean? Like, hey, Dad, what's going on? He's going, Dad, what's going on? Where's the sheep? And this is Abraham's response. And if I'm the son, I'm probably not too excited about his response. Abraham's response is, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering. And you're thinking, where, God? You know, where, Dad? You know what I mean? I tell my boys, like, hey, we're going to eat. And they're like, where, Dad? I don't see it in front of me. And this is just a product of who we are most of the time. God goes, hey, listen, I'm going to provide a sheep. I got everything worked out. But we don't see it tangibly right in front of us. So what happens? just freak out. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe you're better than me again. Okay? You guys are all amazing people. But I have these moments in my office or in the car or in the shower when I'm driving. I swear sometimes people I think I'm drunk when I'm driving because I'm like crying and God, I'm talking to God and I'm swerving all over the road. And, and I'm like, God, where is it? Where is it? You said you had this awesome plan, but where is it? See it! I don't see it tangibly right now, right in front of me. Where is it, God? Goes on in verse 9 and says this when they arrived at the place where God had told him Abraham to build an altar and arrange the wood on it. He then tied up his son Isaac. And if I'm Isaac, I'm just like, are you serious right now? You know what I mean? Like, Dad, take your hands off of me. I'm calling the, I don't know, gosh, what would it have been Jerusalem police at that time, you know what I mean? He's like blowing a horn or something, a bat call or something. I don't know what they had back then, you know? Ties up Isaac, lays him across the altar on the wood, verse 10. Abraham picks up the knife to kill his son in to sacrifice him. This is commitment. This is Abraham's dream. This is God's promise. To Abraham, that he will multiply the nations through Abraham. And he's looking at the dream, and he's looking at the promise, and he's looking at what God's given him, and he's about to sacrifice it. Some commitment going on in this moment. And verse 11, at that moment, the angel of the Lord cried out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And again, Abraham replies, and he says, Here I am. Three words, here I am. I'm here, God. I hear your voice. What are you saying? What is? Remember we talked about this last week? About hearing what heaven is saying and then applying it to the earth. We take what heaven is saying and we apply it to the problems of the earth. It goes on to say this. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way. You've not withheld anything from me, not even your son, your only son. That Abraham saw a ram, horns that were caught in the thicket. So he took the ram and he sacrificed it on the burnt offering in place of the sun. And Abraham replied, he says, this, this is the place I will call Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. I wrote this down, you can write in your notes. There's opportunity in the interruption. There's opportunity in the interruption. Sometimes God interrupts our life and we're so focused on our own life and we're so focused on our own problems that we can't see that there's an opportunity for God to show us something amazing. God wanted to show Abraham his nature. What a weird way to do it. But God wanted Abraham to see first and foremost that I am Jehovah Jireh. Can you imagine this? That Abraham is the first person on the earth to experience and to see God's nature revealed in this way. That he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. Abraham gets to see this. First person in the earth. God reveals his goodness And his nature to Abraham saying, listen, you can always trust me with your dreams. You can always trust me with your hopes. You can always trust me with the most delicate things in your life. The most precious things that you have, Abraham. You can give it to me and know that I'm a good God that does not take, but I'm a good God who gives in Jesus' name. I am the God who provides. He's showing Abraham his nature. He's giving him an opportunity in the interruption of that moment. But I think too often God comes and he comes with an interruption and we're just too busy. And we ignore the interruption. We ignore the moment. We ignore that small voice inside of us that's speaking to Adam. Hey, pay for this family. And we go, What? I loved his response. He was like, there's like seven of them. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, I got to pay for seven people. Are you serious, Lord? But there's these moments that God's interrupting our lives on purpose. Because he's not trying to withhold something from you. He's trying to get something to you. My greatest fear is this. Is getting to heaven and seeing all of the blessings and the benefits that I could have received. But i never received them because i didn't follow the prompting of the holy spirit that would just be a horrible horrible scene abraham also gets to see a picture listen the whole story of isaac and sacrificing him is a picture of things to come it's a picture of jesus it's a picture of god and giving his only son for us on the cross so that we could have grace and we could have life and we could have hope and we could have victory Abraham gets to see the goodness of God. Go with me to uh, Mark chapter 13, okay? Mark chapter 13, we're going to look at verse 3. We're also going to bounce back. You don't have to go there. We're going to go to John 12. Mark chapter 13 and then John chapter 12. John chapter 11, last week we were talking about Lazarus. Lazarus gets sick and um, word goes out to Jesus. and um, And Jesus says, you know, that's cool. I'm I'm doing my thing. And, you know, uh, everybody thinks that Jesus is going to run to Lazarus and come and heal him. And the absolute opposite happens. Lazarus ends up dying and and then Jesus shows up like four days later and people are freaking out. Like, you know, if you he were here, he wouldn't have died. But now he's dead. And now Jesus wants to go to the tomb. And people are like, he's dead and it smells horrible and we're not going to roll away to the tomb. Jesus, you're freaking us all out right now. You know what I mean? Like, you were just a couple miles down the road. You could have just stopped over, healed Lazarus real quick, and then went back on your journey. But you didn't. You wasted time. And now it's too late, right? That's the story of John chapter 11. But Jesus reveals to him, no, nothing is ever too late. No dream is ever too dead. No thing is ever too far gone. Nothing is ever too far away from being resurrected. And he goes and he heals and he resurrects Lazarus, correct? Okay. Now, Lazarus has two sisters, right? Mary and Martha. Okay. And they're experiencing this and they're having an interruption in their life. Correct? Your brother is getting sick. And dying isn't just going, praise the Lord, God is good, we're excited, amen, you know what I mean? They're having an interruption in their moment. They're having an interruption in their life. And Mary and Martha go through this process. And after Jesus heals them, they says this in Mark chapter 14, verse 3, it says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany. Jesus is in Bethany. Afterwards, they throw a celebration, right? Lazarus is alive let's have a party let's celebrate what Jesus has done they have a party in Bethany at a man's house that previously had leprosy while he was eating a woman came with a beautiful alabaster box a jar with expensive perfume made of pure Nard she broke open the jar and poured it over his head now you got to understand Nard comes from the northern mountains of India okay? This is a very expensive perfume, okay? This box, this alabaster box was worth a year's wages, okay? One year's worth of wages. Now, I want you to think for for a second. If you had an extra year's wage in your hand today, how many of you would be running around this place going crazy? Number one, you know what I mean? But number two, what would you do with it? Would you use it to update your home? Would you use it, you know, to get a new car, to get out of debt, to go on a great vacation? If you had a year's wage sitting in your hand, in your possession, what would you do with it? But Mary chooses to do something extraordinary. She takes it, and I love that the Bible is exact about this. It says that she breaks it. She doesn't open it nicely. She doesn't open it delicately. She doesn't just open it up and pour just a little tiny bit upon Jesus. This is a really, has anybody ever smelt Nard before? It is an extremely strong fragrance. A couple drops will fill the whole atmosphere with this fragrance. It's like when kids spray a ton of Axe cologne on them. You're like, what in the world is going on? You know what I mean? It's so strong and potent that she could have just literally taken a couple drops and poured it on his head and poured it on his feet and anointed him that way. The Bible says that on purpose that she broke it. She breaks it open and she pours it upon Jesus' head and is anointing him. John chapter 12 verse 3 says, Mary took the 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume, of Nard, And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping His feet with her hair. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance. The whole entire house was filled with this fragrance. We we'll go back to Mark chapter 14 and verse 4. It says this, that some of those that were at the table were indignant. They got mad. Who is this woman? that would break open a year's wage and break it open and pour it out upon Jesus? Who is this woman that has let down her hair and is using her hair to wipe Jesus' feet? Who is this woman to do such a act? We should take this box, we should have sold it, and we should have gave the money to the poor. That's the most logical thing we should have done with the money, correct? We're always looking for the logic in serving Jesus, Right? We're always looking for the logical steps to take, but there's moments where God interrupts our life and He goes, "There's no logic; it's all faith. It's all faith, son. It's all faith, daughter." And they're upset and they're angry. Why are they upset and angry? Because number one, you got to understand, in that time, okay, in that time, women never let down their hair, but only in the bedroom with the intimacy of their man in that moment. She is letting down. Her hair, she is having an intimate moment with Jesus as she uses her hair to wipe his feet and to anoint Jesus. So the men and the people around there are freaking out. What is going on? They don't understand what's happening. Listen, you got to understand this also, that when people don't understand the kingdom of God, when you don't understand the kingdom of God, you always freak out about money. Always. When you don't get the kingdom of God, and you don't get its principles, and you don't understand how it works, so when these people are freaking out about the money, why? It's because they don't understand the kingdom of God. They don't understand how it works. When you understand the kingdom of God, money is just money. It's a tool. It's a resource that I use. But I can use it for the kingdom of God. I can use it for my family. I can use it to bless somebody else. It's a tool. It's not something that I worship. It's not something that I'm bowing down to. It's not something that owns me. It's not something that I worship. It's just a tool that I use because I understand the kingdom of God. Amen? It goes on to say this in Mark chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus says something incredibly profound. I mean, incredibly profound. says this, Leave her alone. Why do you criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? There's sometimes times that people go, why do you worship like you worship? Why, 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 why are you people raising your hands? Why are you people singing so passionately? There's times where, where the world doesn't get it. The world doesn't understand it. But when you have an eternal perspective and when your eyes are on Jesus, you cannot not help it. It just comes out. Because so you got to understand something. She saw Jesus heal her brother, raise him from the dead. Her mind must have exploded at that moment. I thought he was dead. He's been dead for four days. He's in the tomb. We wrapped him. We buried him. It was done. It is over. And all of a sudden, it wasn't over. And Jesus shows her. Listen, what you think was dead, what you think was gone, what you think is not truth. Truth is me. I'm the source of life. I'm the source of hope. I'm the source of everything. And at that moment, I'm sure her mind exploded and her heart, her heart came alive. And she said, there's nothing there is nothing else I can do but to worship Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm going to take the most valuable possession that I own. And I'm going to take it. And I'm not going to give him a little bit of it. But I'm going to break it open. And I'm going to pour it over him. And I'm going to show him my worship. I'm going to show him my goodness. I'm going to show him what he means to me. He, she doesn't hold anything back. In this moment Jesus says this You'll always have the poor among you You'll always have somebody to help But you won't always have me I'm not going to be here forever She has done what she could and She has anointed my body for the burial For the right time I tell you the truth Whatever the good news is preached Through the world This woman's deed will be remembered the gospel is shared. Every every time the gospel is shared. You know what echoes through eternity? What this woman did. It echoes through eternity. On and on and on and on and on. What seemed like an interruption when Lazarus got sick was really an opportunity God was setting up for this young woman. interruption. But God has opportunity in the interruption. God has opportunity in the interruption. God has opportunity in the interruption. I told you this was